0: I get to serve as one of the pastors here, and this is a great day to be here on this long weekend as we think about the significance of this weekend, but as we think about also the significance of starting the year, and we've been calling this fresh start. Pastor Chuck, our lead pastor, every single year has such a huge heart for our church family and to the people in our community to say, this could be the year that God does something big in and through you. And so our heartbeat every January is what are some resources we can give you? We recognize that there's 167 hours outside of this hour at church. This week's going to be a long week. So how can we put resources in your hand or on your device, on your webpage that will help you? And so we said in January, let's give a fresh start. I could use a fresh start. Anybody else could use a fresh start. We could use a fresh start this year. And so as a church family, we've been saying, let's spend 21 days together walking through the gospel of john and read a chapter a day at the end of that chapter ask two questions question number one what does this teach me about jesus and question number two what do i need to do with that what do i need to do about it and so if you haven't jumped in on this yet i want to encourage you don't allow how far we're into it already to keep you out of it you can jump on the website the easiest place to get it is at sugarhill.church forward slash fresh start. Or if you just go to sugarhill.church, you'll scroll down, you'll see it there. It's also in the Sugarhill Hill Church app, but there's something powerful about spending intentional time over these days that are gonna make a lasting impact. And so we've been walking through John. Uh, in week one, Pastor Chuck talked about John chapter one, where where. John makes it crystal clear that Jesus wasn't just a God, a a guy, but he's God himself, that he left heaven, he came to this earth, he put skin on, he put flesh on, he lived among us. That was so powerful. Week two last week was John chapter eight, a very common story where this lady was caught in adultery and she was drugged to Jesus and all these religious leaders were ready to stone her. And Jesus says, he who has no sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they just dropped what they had and they walked away. And it reminded us at least two lessons. One is if we're honest, we're a lot like that woman caught in adultery. All of us have sin in our life. None of us is immune to it. But a second powerful lesson is that Jesus is willing to stand beside us. I mean, Jesus said over and over again while he was on this earth, it's not the, the, those that are well, that are healthy that need a physician, it's those that are sick. In fact, Jesus said over and over again, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so yes, there's a, we're a lot like that woman called an adultery, but Jesus is willing to stand with us and extend his grace. Well, today I wanna take one little phrase that is found in John chapter 15, that I really believe is one of the most important statements in all of the gospel of John. Now, if you're new to this whole Bible thing, John was one of Jesus' closest friends. I mean, Jesus hung out with the 12 disciples the most. Out of the 12, there's three, Peter, James, and John, that he spent more time with. And out of those three, John was the one that most people would say he's Jesus' best friend. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, he looked down and there was John and there was his mom. And Jesus said to his mom, hey, look, John's now your son. John, look, now my mom is your mom. Take care of each other. I mean, this was the kind of relationship they had. And so John walked with Jesus. John was, uh, went through all the emotions that everybody else went through when Jesus died and rose again, but late in his life, Right before he's about to die, he's exiled to a place called the island of Patmos. He's about to die for his faith. And so as an older man, he sits down to write down what he knew about Jesus, what he saw Jesus do. And now as an older man to reflect on, what's the significance of it? And so when you read through John, you're reading an older man writing down something that happened years and years earlier in his life, but he's got the the gift of of time, uh, 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 of introspection to be able to write down not just here's what happened, but here's what it means. And one of the ways that he did that is throughout the Gospel of John, he records seven statements that Jesus said, where Jesus takes word pictures and says, if you're trying to figure out who I am, here's what I'm like. And let me just rattle these off to you. The first one's in John chapter six. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It was such a practical teaching because everybody's trying to find sustenance. They're trying to find hope. They're trying to find that feeling. They have that nagging feeling inside and Jesus say, look, look, look. All that thing that you're looking for, I am the bread. I am everything that you need. I'm not just the bread, I'm your bread. Another one is found over in John chapter 8 where he says, I am the light of the world. He's like, you're, you're trying to find your way. There's so many paths out there. There's so, so much junk going on. I am the light. I am your light. Another one's in John 10 where he says, I am the door of the sheep. Later in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. He says later in John 11, we talked about this on the weekday podcast this week, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying this in the context of two sisters that are ticked off at Jesus. They were angry. Jesus, this, this friend of yours, John, uh, Lazarus, uh, you were close buddies with him. You knew he was sick. You could have showed up. You could have healed him, but now he's dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. If you had shown up, this would have been different. And Jesus uses this as a teaching moment that says, I am the resurrection. In other words, I don't just resurrect things, I am the resurrecting. Resurrection isn't something I do, it's part of who I am. Just because there's a delay doesn't mean there's a denial. I'm still in the business of bringing dead things back to life. That was a powerful picture right? I'm the resurrection and the life. The next one is found in uh, John chapter 14 when he's talking about heaven. He talks about the hope in heaven. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and then we get to today's I am statement, John 15, I am the true vine. And in that one phrase, Jesus talks about the thing that could make all the difference in your spiritual life this year. For those of you that have been on the outside looking in, and you're like, I don't know this whole faith thing, I don't know how that thing works, this could be the passage that God uses that you look back years from now, and you're able to say, that was the day the light bulb went on inside of me, something changed inside of me. For some of us, maybe you feel burnt out, maybe you feel like you're, you're doing this out of your own strength, maybe, maybe you're tired, and you're like, man, I don't know, I don't know if I can stay true to this, I don't know if I can lean in. This could be the passage that God uses that reminds you of the power of staying close to him. And so if you've got a handout, if you've got something to write on, something to write with, there are four powerful lessons about staying close to Jesus that come right out of John chapter 15. There's so much we could say about this passage. There's a lot of intricate detail. There's a lot of historical context, but uh, along the vein of what we're doing in the weekday podcast and meditation, I want to focus on some practical things that I think could really help us today. So let me give you a little bit of the context Uh, Jesus has just finished having his final meal with his disciples in the upper room. Jesus is, uh, the countdown's on. He's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested. He's about to go through a sham trial. He's about to go to the cross. So this, the context of this statement is the final words he's giving to his inside guys. Final words are powerful, aren't they? If, If I were to tell you, hey, when you go to lunch today, this is gonna be the last meal that you're gonna have with the people you go with if you knew that was the last time you were gonna talk to them, if that was the last time you were gonna see them, if that was the last time you were gonna interact with them on this side of heaven, I guarantee you, you would think twice about what you said. Don't you agree with me that those last words matter? And so what happens is Jesus has had this last supper meal with his disciples. Now they're on the way to the garden of Gethsemane, and as they're walking through the city, as they're walking to the garden, they pass by the temple. The temple was a big deal in their days in the center of the city it was the centerpiece of the city it represented this is where god meets with his people and as they're walking through it's the passover so we know the the moon is full it's shining down and in the light of the moon on the doors of the temple there are these this inscription of a vine a picture of a vine and it represented throughout the Old Testament, the vine represented the nation of Israel, that God was gonna plant a nation and through that nation, he was gonna bless all the other nations. So this is a picture to say, hey, this represents the nation of Israel. And so in that context, as they're walking by those doors, as they're seeing that vine, Jesus teaches them one of these last teachings. And he says, look, 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 I know up until this point, your vine has been the nation of Israel. I know up until this point, your vine has been a religion that's through the temple. But Jesus takes that picture and says, but I want to tell you one big thing before I die. I am the true vine jesus knows what they don't know yet jesus knows that they're going to get kicked out of the church basically because of their faith in him jesus knows that they're going to be ridiculed and so jesus on the front end of all this says i need you to know i am the true vine and in that phrase comes these four lessons here's lesson number one as we think about this idea of staying close to jesus lesson number one is it's intensely relational it is intensely relational When Jesus says back in verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you, this is a picture of relationship. When I say it's intensely relational, what I'm actually saying is there's a difference between a transaction and a relationship. There's a difference between a transactional connection with God and a relational transaction with God. In other words, it's not just a one-time thing. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. It's not something you say, well, I prayed a prayer when I was little or walked an aisle years and years ago. Ours baptized last year. It's, there is some element of a transaction. Here's what I mean by that. At the moment of salvation, at the moment that we turn from our old ways and we turn to Jesus, at the moment we become a follower of him that creates what's called, and if you're a note taker, you can put this down underneath that first lesson, A, that creates a union between us and God. The old hymn writer talked about it this way, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. It's a way of saying at the moment of salvation, when our faith becomes real, when we lean into who Jesus is and what, he, what he's done, A, that creates a union between us and God. But then the second piece of that is the longer we live, that union ought to lead to the second part, B, to communion. Communion. When you look at this phrase and it says, remain in me and I remain in you, that little word remain is the Greek word meno it occurs all throughout the Bible and it literally means this inward enduring personal communion, this internal ongoing dialogue, this communication that says, God, I don't wanna just know you as my savior. I wanna walk with you daily. What starts in that union with Christ leads to communion. What happened in a moment lasts has lingering effects for a lifetime. It's about a relationship. Jesus is saying it's, it's this whole relational thing. And, and so here's the reminder as we think about this today, union doesn't replace communion. Union does not guarantee communion. You could have your life changed by Jesus, but if we're not careful, if we don't remain, something's missing in our relationship with him. Those two go hand in hand here's a, a simple example this is not perfect but here's a simple example on Tuesday my wife and I Laura were celebrating our eighth wedding anniversary which is crazy it's just fun by thanks Matt one person's happy for that or is that like we didn't think it I don't know so uh, so eight years ago, we got married over in the chapel. And if you've never been in our chapel, it's a beautiful, beautiful space. It's where our Spanish congregation meets every Sunday at 11. God's doing great work over there. But man, I, I still remember that day. I still remember the pastor standing there and he asked, what's the token you give of your love? And we both said a ring. And he says, may I have the ring, please? And then we went through the vows where you repeat what they say with this ring, with this ring. I be wed, I be wed. I post you my life, my life, my love, my love, my all in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Anybody need to get married today? I've got my Bible ready make it happen but can you imagine if on Tuesday night when we go out for our anniversary meal can you imagine my wife's a redhead so imagine if she looks across the table and says why haven't you told me that you love me how well would it go if I said well I did that eight years ago we stood there. He said, "I pledge you my." I said, "I pledge you my, life, my love, my all." I haven't undone that. I haven't made other pledges. How well do you think that conversation would go? All oh, the ladies said, "Let's put Bobby on the prayer list, right?" So, at the moment we said, "I do," we were united in the sight of God and the sight of man. We were. There's this covenantal union, this new relationship. That's union, but everything we do to invest in our relationship over these last eight years is what creates the communion, the closeness. I think sometimes we think, well, it's got to be big stuff. It's got to be a big fancy meal. It's got to no. What I found is it's the the, it's the little daily deposits over time that lead to a deeper relationship. It's those small things. It's the morning hug before we start doing other things around the house. It's the it's the I love you and the kiss before I walk out the door. It's the hey, I'm going to open the door for her and show her deference and respect. It's those little things. It's those little things. It's those little things that are deposits that in the moment it doesn't seem like a big deal, one I love you, not a big deal, one hug, not a big deal, but over time, those simple little deposits over time have a huge impact, and it's similar in our walk with God. At the moment of salvation, that's union. But over time, it's the hey, God, I'm, I'm going to spend time with you. It's the communion. Hey, God, I don't, I, I don't know where to start. So here's where I'm going to start. I'm going to go to the Fresh Start resource. I'm going to do five minutes a day with the weekday podcast. I'm going to get a little encouragement. I don't know what else to do, but I can do that daily over time. Or the weekday uh, meditation. I'm going to, I'm going to live my life from this place, from this posture where I find peace in my everyday life. I can do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on the Gospel of John reading plan. I'm going to read one chapter a day. I can do that. All this is just 20 minutes. Does that make a difference? 20 minutes in one day may not seem like a big deal, but over time, those daily deposits lead to a deeper relationship. It's like compound interest. A daily compound interest, not a big deal. Compound interest on our loan here at the church that we're talking about doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you think about Paying off our debt early, not only does that mean $40,000 a month toward more ministry and missions, it also means that we save a million dollars in interest. Isn't that crazy? Over time, those small investments make a big difference. Lesson number one, it's intensely relational. Lesson number two is that it is impossible to reproduce. It's impossible to reproduce. In our world, and what I mean by that is our world is so used to talking about results. I mean, in our day jobs and uh, boardrooms and all of this, we talk about results, 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 results. And if we're not careful, we focus so much on results that we bring that to our relationship with God. Well, what's the results? What's the results? How many were there? How much do people give? And, And it may look different for you, but here's what Jesus reminds us. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, you can't fake it. And so in a world that's all about results, Jesus is like, look, I have nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with results, but the only results that actually have a lingering impact, not just now, but in eternity are results that are built and an overflow from our relationship with him. Does that make sense? In other words, the Pharisees were some of the people that struggled with this the most. If you know their story, they had great intentions. Their hope was we wanna help people not Break the rules of God. Our, our, our desire is we're going to make some laws that are, become guardrails that keep people from crossing the line. But what happened over time is their guardrails be, became more important than God himself. And so what ended up happening is over time, they talked about rules, 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 and they forgot it starts with a relationship. In fact, Jesus looked them in the eye and he said this. He said, you honor me with your lips. You look good on the outside, but your heart is far from me. And so, this reminder, this lesson is you can't produce it yourself. You can't do it yourself. Results are important, but they're not as important as relationship. And somewhere along the way, we've bought into this idea well, I'm going to manage, I'm going to manufacture external results. I'm going to try to look good on the outside. On the inside, I may feel a million miles away from God, but on the outside, I'm going to wear the right clothes. I'm going to say the right phrases. I'm going I'm to attend the right things. I'm going to do all of the stuff, 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 stuff. And Jesus is saying, No, the true fruit is produced in you. Your job is not to produce it. Your job is to stay close. Because when you produce it yourself, it's fake. Several years ago, before the Apple Watch came out. Now, I'm a tech nerd. I come by, it honestly, my dad was in the military for 37 years. He's an electronics guy. He's a ham radio operator, soldering tubes, all this stuff. So I'm I'm wired for nerdiness, right? And you can tell by my pasty white skin that I'm an indoor kind of app kind of guy, right? Thanks for laughing at me, that's awesome. So I remember when the rumors were first out that the watch was gonna come out, but Apple hadn't actually said anything. There started being all these other companies coming out with watches. And there was this one that shot up on Kickstarter. I don't know if you've ever done any of these crowd Uh, funding uh, websites or not. I've done a bunch of them, and and a lot of them, they they don't turn out to be anything. But there's this watch that promised to be awesome, and I grew up remembering seeing the Dick Tracy movie growing up. I'm like, that's going to be so cool. Talk to my watch, and all that. You're like, let's pray for Bobby. He needs to get out more. Or he needs to culturize him a little bit. So I I got so excited. So I, I chipped into this Kickstarter where you say, all right, if you get enough money, Uh, Hit my bank account, I'll give X dollars, and I would get one of the early watches. And so they kept delaying it, delaying it, delaying it, delaying delaying it. Finally, it showed up. I was so excited. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I opened it up, and I'm telling you, it was so cheesy. It was big and bulky. It was dumb looking. It barely worked. It it was scratch. I mean, it was so cheesy. And it's just a reminder that knockoffs are not the same thing as the real thing. And too often, we settle for fake fruit. Too often, we settle for produced external works devoid of relationship. And I'm telling you, it may look good on the outside, but it will not last. It will not last. So lesson number one. Intensely relational. Lesson number two, you can't reproduce it yourself. You can't muster up lasting fruit yourself, which leads us to lesson number three is that incompetence is actually required. And what I mean by that is this this ad, uh, admission that we can't do it ourselves. This admission that, that uh, man, I, I'm still going to try to be the best version of me. I'm all about self-help kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I recognize that anything that's good in me is because of what Jesus is doing in my heart. That apart from him, I can do nothing. It's this idea that we surrender to it. We quit fighting it. We quit trying to pad our own personal uh, moral bank account but that we stop and we realize when jesus said apart from me you can do nothing you can look up that word nothing in any translation you can look it up in greek you can find the the version of it in hebrew and when you look up the word nothing you know what it actually means it means nothing <laughs> nothing apart from me you can do apart from me you can do nothing and that seems so counterculture but there's something freeing isn't there when we say i just surrender like Zach, let us in this morning. There's something about that surrender. Can I I give you a little secret about my wife, Laura? She has an addiction. Y'all can join me in praying for this addiction. She is addicted to the show Live PD. Do any of y'all watch that? Have y'all seen it? It's like the modern version of cops. It's where they've got crews that go out with uh, six or seven different police departments every single week. And usually on Friday and Saturday nights, you're watching live with just a slight delay what's actually going on. And man, I'm telling you, she's the most peaceful, sweet, uh, loving person on the planet. But man, she loves watching some drama on TV. I mean, she loves it. She'll watch the replays of it. She'll see the episodes that she's seen before. And she's still, she's got a problem. We all pray for her. She got a problem. And so, uh, so yesterday, as I'm you know, sort of re-putting my mind back into this message, she's watching the show, and sometimes people are just being dumb on there. They're running. They're doing silly stuff. But the universal sign when somebody's ready to give up is what? Hands in the air. I surrender. And there's something powerful in our spiritual lives. When we just get gut level on us and say, I'm tired of doing this myself. I'm tired of those same old sins over and over again. I'm tired of looking happy on the inside, but having no joy on the inside. I'm tired of faking it. I'm tired of acting like everything's okay when everything's not okay. There's something that says incompetence is required where we just say, God, I surrender. I can't do this, but I know that you can. Let's pretend we're on honest planet today where we're like, we don't have to put on a fake smile. We don't have to act like everything's great, that we can be honest and say, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. And here's what it naturally leads to is lesson number four. It leads to identifiable results. In other words, as Jesus is saying this, he's saying, man, if you would just stay in me, it's going to pay off. If you would just stay close to me, people are going to notice. If you're going to stay close to me, it's going to lead to something. He says, you will bear fruit. He's not saying you might bear fruit, it might happen. He's saying, I'm telling you, if you stay connected to me, something different is going to happen in your life. It's just going to happen. It's like, I'm the vine, I'm the vine, I'm the base, I'm the source of nourishment. You're the branches. And as long as that branch stays connected to the vine, the sap that brings life flows through the vine and into your branch, and something begins to bud off of that branch, that if we remain in him, if we stay connected to Jesus and we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow up in us and through us, it's gonna lead to different change in our life. It's gonna lead to us talking about the things of God to the people that need hope. It's going to lead to us worshiping him and saying, God, I'm so grateful. It's going to lead to us living lives of holiness where we say, God, I don't want to do anything that would break that fellowship. It's going to lead to us saying, man, I want to be part of more of what God's up to. That internal change that starts with the relationship begins to leak its way out into the results of our life, and it produces If your life is not producing his fruit, the question is, are you staying connected to him? See, Jesus is, right, is talking to these, this agricultural community. They knew the picture of vines. And they, the, the, these listeners would have known, these disciples would have known that vines are good for one of two things. Either bearing fruit or being burned. That's it bearing fruit or being burned, either to build his kingdom or to be burned down because uh, vines are not strong enough to build something with. Vines are not tough enough to do something with. If they're not bearing fruit, then they're burning up time. And that's similar in our own lives that the reason why God leaves us here on this earth, the reason why God doesn't take us immediately to heaven the moment we have union with him is so that we can bear fruit. And one of the things that's so interesting about fruit trees is I've never seen, I almost said I've never met an apple tree. (laughs) I've never seen an apple tree that ate its own apples. Now, I know that sounds kind of dumb, right? Fruit trees don't produce fruit for themselves. They produce it for somebody else. And when we're living for ourselves, when we're manufacturing our own fruit, we're essentially just burning up time. But when we say, all right, here's my part of the job. My job is to remain. Jesus's job is to produce the fruit. Don't confuse them. My job today, as best as I know how, is I'm going to stay close to him. His job is the results. So today, let's not be a people that try to produce it on our own. Let's be a people that says, as best as I know how, every single day I'm going to stay close to him. I was talking to Coach Wolf before the first service some months ago. We were randomly talking about the power of previewing your day. I don't know if you've ever done this, but part of my daily routine now is I try to journal every single morning. And one of the questions is, what do you have coming up today? And out of all of those things, what's the one thing you could do that would make the biggest difference in a project, a goal, or whatever? And there's something powerful about just bullet pointing, here's what I'm gonna face today. There's something about previewing the day because here's what I've learned. I can predict 90% of my frustration each day. I can predict 90% of the problems I'm gonna face each day. I can predict 90% of the temptations I'm going to face this week. I can can predict 90% of most of what's going to come my way this week. And so instead of waiting till that moment to try to figure it out, what would happen if I prepared for it? God, before I walk walk into this week, there's going to be some difficult conversations I, I have to have. I'm not always going to say it the right way. Jesus in me, would you say it the right way? God, I know that there's going to be stuff that goes through my mind that isn't of you. I know I can't fight that myself, but in you, Jesus, would you help change my thought life this week? God, I'm going to have opportunities to go a lot of places this week, and in most places I'm just so in a hurry and I've got my head down, I don't even pay attention to what's going on around me. Jesus, would you help me to be fully present with whoever you put in front of me this week? That one of the practical ways to stay close to him is to surrender every single day. So as we close today, I'm just gonna invite you to do something a little bit different. Would you stand with me very quietly, very reverently? And I'd love for us to pray our way out of here today. I'd love for us to close our day in prayer and maybe in some ways to preview the week ahead and to pray for us. So would you bow your heads just for a moment? Would you close your eyes? And as I pray out loud, I invite you to pray silently in your head and your heart. And as we get ready to do that, I'll remind you of two quick things. One is we partner with the North Gwinnett Co-op and this month we're helping provide hygiene items that are gonna help so many people in our community. And so on your way out today, would you pick up a bag and a list of items that you could grab at the store this week and just know that by doing that, that's one of those fruits that you're gonna bless other people. The second thing is our next churchwide mission trip It's coming up in March to Guatemala. This is gonna be a fantastic trip. If you've never been on an international mission trip, similar time zone, short flight, this is a great way to take that next step. So if that's been on your heart, maybe not even for this March, but a future year, would you swing by the table in the lobby today and just get some more info. And there's gonna be a meeting coming up next Sunday after church as well. But as we pray today, this is a prayer of surrender. Dear Jesus, as best as I know how, I surrender my mind to you. Jesus, when there are thoughts that are not of you, would you do something inside of me that helps me to think your thoughts? God, with my ears, I pray that you go before me and I, that when I'm tempted to listen to things that are like gossip and backbiting and drama, Lord, would you do something inside of me that steps away from that? God, would you work in and through my lips this week that when I'm tempted to say things that cut and hurt, that you do something inside of me that would speak words of life and truth. God, would you do something in my heart this week? When my emotions pull me astray, would you help me to put my focus back on you? God, would you do something in my hands this week when I'm so tempted to ask what's in it for me, would you help me do something inside of me to use my hands to serve people this week. God, would you do something even with my feet? With all the places that we go this week and all the things that we do, would you help us to carry the good news of Jesus to the people around us? God, we admit that you're the vine and we're just the branches. Our prayer is that you help us to remain, to stay close to you, that we'd produce your fruit for the good of others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We look forward to seeing you next week as Pastor Chuck wraps up Fresh Start. It's gonna be the best, the one message I'm looking forward to the most. So I hope you'll invite a friend and be part of it. We love you guys. Have a great day.